0: I saw a blind man tapping along, losing his way as he passed through the throng. Tears filled my eyes, I said friend you can't see, with a smile on his face he replied to me see all my friends in Hallelujah Square. What a wonderful time we'll all have up there. We'll sing and praise Jesus, his glory to share. And you'll not see one blind man, I saw a cripple dragging his feet. He couldn't walk like we do down the street. I said, My friend, oh, I feel sorry for you. But he said, Up in heaven. For bread, soon he'd be gone, as his eyes closed in death, he looked at me, said, boy, don't look so blue, I'm going up to heaven, well, how about? In Hallelujah Square, what a wonderful time! Well.
1: Cox, you remember the open air singers? Guys used to do open air meetings, an old, old man named Howard Jewell. Remember him? That's the first time I ever heard that song was about 38 or 40 years ago. He was at First Baptist Ham, and happened to be passing through. And he was quite old then, probably my age, come to think of it. But he was, and he got him and sang that song. just a cappella. Out of street corners and sing and preach. It's funny, you, as as you, know, you can do some street preaching. It's a great way to get a crowd. Just stay on the street corner with a couple of guys and just do like this. <laughs> People can't resist, yeah, <laughs> they'll just start looking up. We did it in Chicago. preaching when they scatter like coverage. <laughs> it works, you know. What a blessing to preach with Brother Cox. I told you yesterday how tough it is to follow Tony Hudson. It's even tougher to follow him and get between you and lunch. I get, I get the worst setups. i tell you, I was preaching at Brother Shrever's conference. Um, I think it was last year. They had to have it outside because of the COVID thing down there. And a hailstorm busted loose. And I mean, the worst one they've had in 30 years. What I'm supposed to be preaching they're out there under tents, and it's thundering, lightning, and the hail is just pounding down, and the tents are starting to sag from the weight of the hail. And I'm trying to preach; you can't hear anything. I could have preached heresy; no one would know what was going on. Then one year I'm preaching down there, right in the middle of my message, the lights go out, power shuts off, total dark, no PA, nothing. I keep thinking they don't want me to preach. That's what that is. Eh? I couldn't figure out what that was all about, but. The- to see Brother Cards these God bless these folks. May I come in one thirty-two 1.32. I'd have called and told them I pulled a kidney or something. I couldn't come, But that's what happens when you're old like me when you get there. Matthew 6.33, let's stand together. I'm going to go quote this verse without even looking at it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Isn't it amazing that Jesus in one verse could set life's priorities? You see, those are the only priorities. Know what that is. Matthew 6.33 is this. All of life's priorities come if we know this verse and apply it properly. Yeah. Every priority of life. I was preaching at a church in Florida, and they, and they asked me to speak to the college-age young people. They you said, well, that would be a good verse because young people need to know how to set priorities. Everybody needs to know how to set priorities. Everybody does. I know one thing, as life goes on, your priorities may change in some degree of what God has for you. Some of them will not. But I know this, priorities, they define you. They define you. Two things define a person, their friends and their priorities. And they define who you are, what you are, how you live your life, the why you live your life, the way you live your life. They define you. Your priorities also, they direct you. You get your priorities right, you keep them right. They'll give you direction for the rest of your life. My, the priorities I have now I'm sixty-eight years of age. I don't look that old. I know that. And again, what's my birthday? All right, let's just keep writing that down now. I got that. She got it over here. I got it. I wrote Brother Tony's down last night. Brother Tony's birthday is uh-huh. December 6th. I wrote it down. That's my our anniversary, I forgot our anniversary once. <laughs> I never forgot it since then, I assure you. <laughs> that's a whole bunch of husband joke. But anyway, the truth is, here's the deal. The the priorities I had when I was 18 years old as a single young man, they're not the same priorities I have now. Some of them are still the same, but some of them have changed. You get married, your priorities change. You have children, your priorities change. Some of them will stay the same the rest of your life. Some of them will change according to your age, how things go, but they'll always define who you are. People just seem to live, they live their lives without any purpose or direction to right. them. And they think, well, and they say, well, yeah, but that's what I used to believe. I don't believe that anymore. Well, if you've had the right priorities, there's some things that will never change about what you believe. Right. But they do define you, and they, di- that they, they direct your life. And they also, the priorities, they decide how your life's going to turn out. Since we don't know how life's going to turn out since we don't know what, how things are going to go. When I was a boy living in a drunkard's home, I had no idea I'd be a preacher of the gospel. I had no idea that i would use me to travel around the world to preach His word. I had no idea. I, I wanted to live. That's all I wanted to do. I had no idea how my life would go. I thought I would grow up and be a bit drunk like my stepfather was a drunk. I just thought that's the way my life was going to be. And, and they, my mother remarried after my parent, my dad was a preacher and ran off with a woman. And, and my mother remarried and she had a couple of kids with this man. Well, her kids all turned out to be drunks. Everybody else in the family was like that. That's what I thought my life was going to be like. I had no idea my life would be what it is now. I couldn't see that as a boy. You understand? But once you establish biblical priorities, they will determine how your life will turn out in advance. Because if they're Bible, they're eternal, and God knows them and He'll direct you. You see what I'm saying? So. Pri- Priorities become important. What's fascinating to me, and I taught this lesson with these college-age young people, I thought, well, everybody needs to set biblical priorities. And Matthew 6, 33 are not all the priorities of life, but all the priorities of life come out of this one verse. If we apply it properly, let's pray. Father, bless now this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So then, let's get this now. So let's see it. You see the verse. It's very simple. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, the first thing that's important is seeking. That's important. Since priorities, some priorities of your life may change as time goes on, you need to still be seeking God's priorities. Yeah. See, so here's the deal. People say, well, yeah, but when I get to retirement age, then you know it's different there, and I can just kind of decide what i want." No, you need to know God's priorities. You need to be careful to follow that. I'm amazed how many people, they, they, they're they faithful to God, they're faithful to church, they're faithful all these years, they raise their kids faithfully, they're in church, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and then they retire, get a motorhome driver out America and don't even go to church anymore. And think, well, what I think, what will happen here? Something, something's different here. People that, with, the, with the economy and the things that go on. You know, I'm in California, and for the last two years now, the state of California's population has decreased for the first time of the state. Several reasons for that. One of them is the idiot governor we have. The other thing is it's cost of living out there. You leave California, you're not going back unless you make a ton of money. Because that's just how it is. Uh, yeah, I go to some places and they say, oh, this house costs, you know, $200,000. You can't get an apartment for 200000 bucks in California. This place out there got 900 square foot houses that are 62 years old. They pay a million dollars for that house. and didn't have a garage. You leave California, you're not getting back. But I see 10. You say, well, who wants to go back? People who are godly. That's why. I keep telling folks, look, if, if all the salt and light leaves, you got nothing left. But they say, yeah, but it's better to live in Texas. It's better to live, you know, in, in North Carolina. It's better to live. No, they don't go to Ohio. It's better to live. It's better to live somewhere else where it's cheaper to live by. And after all, you know, it's like the Holy Land. And they move over there. You know what's happening? taking all that California idiocy to those places over there and they're messing their place up. 150 people a day move to Florida. 150 people a day are moving to Florida. And they say, well, that's great for our population. Wait till all them idiots from the states like California move out there and they're going to mess up that state. In five years, it's going to be like California. So what difference does it make? Look like at Texas in the last election. It barely was red state. This no more elections, that's going to be a blue state too. So it doesn't make any difference. But people, priority is, you know, I want to go where it's spiritual, right? I want to go to this kind of place. You know, there are more homosexuals per capita in Austin, Texas, than there are in San Francisco, California. Did you know that? Yeah. I'll let that sit on you a minute. But anyway, the point is, I'm not advocating the California's idiocy, craziness, immorality, ungodliness is the side of more of America. I understand that. I know that, ladies and gentlemen. But here's the deal I've seen people who are just packing up and moving because they want to go live by their grandkids. Uh, yeah, yeah. My grandkids live over there. And everyone I've seen do that, you know what happened? Their grandkids moved. Yeah, they moved to Texas. One couple, they moved to Texas. Went to Houston, Texas because, hey, it's more spiritual in Houston. If you've been to Houston, the mayor is a lesbian. Have you been to Houston? She wanted to try to get all the preachers in town to submit their allies to preach so that they couldn't preach against the LGBTQ1A, AVB, HIV, all that kind of stuff. That kind of joke. Yeah, they moved to Houston to get by their grandkids. You know what their grandkids did? They moved to New Hampshire. You say, well, you mean it's always wrong? I'm just saying we're the priorities. Yeah, yeah. We're biblical priorities of what we're supposed to do. Okay. That, that's where the seek key comes in. Right. The seek key first. That means I need to be seeking what are God's priorities for this day. What does he want me to do? Would I like to live in a different state than California? Yes, I would. I wouldn't mind that. I'm a native California, born and raised in California. I love my state. I love what it is, but I love my state. Hopefully, God willing, what we've been doing 38 years now, almost 39, is making a difference in that state. I hope so. And if I get one more person to ask me if there are any fundamental Baptist churches in California, I'm going to slap them so hard that mama's going to feel it while she's washing wash the dishes. Because there are. There are good gun barrels, straight, independent, fundamental, soul winners, separated, King James Bible, yeah. preacher, hellfire, damnation, pre pre tribulation, in the middle, clock, carriage, sig, shooting Baptist churches. They're out there. They are. They are. But here's the point. But you see, but Brother Johnson, I mean, why don't you just go live somewhere else? Why? Is that God's priority for my life? Am I, I have to seek this. Okay, now, Christian, look at me. And that's you. You understand? I don't care what your age is. I don't care if you're this little man right here with the snappy looking glasses. Love them glasses, baby. I, I don't care if it's you. I don't care if it's a teenager. This young couple, how long have you been married now? Eight months. You notice he didn't say anything. He was just sitting there going, staring all in his face. Only young couples talk about how many months they've been married. You know, that's, I love that one. That's favorite. You ask a kid, how, "How old are you, shorty?" Nine. Usually, they say nine and a half or nine and three quarters or something like that. See, I and mean, then a young couple, and he's doing all your work, and you're getting paid for it. That's fantastic. But uh, the two days. You know, so here we got, here we got a young, young married couple. We got these young men over here. We got these folks. We got some senior saints in this room. We got folks, that, brother, man, didn't you and I go to school together? Yes, we did. I remember. I don't remember you because we weren't in the same ministries and stuff like that. But how old are you now, brother? Harris? 71. One foot in the grave, another one in the field. My soul. The angels are coming for you, brother. I'm telling you, that's it's all good. Like we're all being at Hallelujah Square one of these days. I I Some of us are going to get there and go, well, I didn't believe it, but I am here." Fantastic. You are too. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me you know, I get to heaven, and look around, and go, "Yeah." You know, I mean, I believed it, but now I'm glad I'm. I'm Single people, married couples, senior saints, everybody in between, even millennials, poor millennials. Preachers just hammering these poor millennials. Poor millennials like the millennials need to do. Seek ye, seek ye, seek ye. My attitude, my life should be before ah. I do anything, right. change anything. Right. Before I have set out for any reason to do anything, I don't care if it's buy a car, buy trades, jobs, I don't care what it is. Yeah. It's I mean, get so sensitive before you mow the lawn, you want to make sure this is God's priority. You know what I'm saying? Seek you. That's the key. But what are we seeking? Now those three things that Jesus mentioned there. Seek you first, the kingdom of God. Secondly, you seek his righteousness. Thirdly, then you let him, then he said, he'll provide all these things shall be added unto you. Those three things are what we're to seek. Now, what do you seek when it comes to the kingdom of God? So I'm going to seek this. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's plan for all of the ages, and how you fit into that plan. There's another expression for that. It's called the will of God. The will of God. Now listen. You do this before you make your decision. You do this before you set your heart on matters. Come on, preacher. You have it to you. Do you have it to happen. Any preacher in this room has this happen. People come in and say, "I need to get some counseling." Pastor John. Said, okay, what can I do for you? Well, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. What are you? Awesome on you. Don't get any out you. are out of here, pal. It's over. They want, they want you to put a stamp on it. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm saying this is what my plan is. And this is what I'm going to do. What do you think? Goodbye. Yeah. See you. Oh. No, no. We make decisions, we write life's contracts, and then we want God to sign the bottom line. That's not how it works. Seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What is the will of God in this matter? So how do you know that? Oh, that's a mystery. Years ago, my brother, older brother Jack, he gave me a book that's thick on how to know the will of God. I never read it. Because Matthew, Romans 12, 1 and 2 already tells you how to know the will of God your body a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service yeah. be not conformed to the world be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove right. prove means to come to find out for yourself see I'm I, I telling I don't like it when people try to tell me the will of God the preacher was here the other night and they, they're making some decisions about their church and some other preachers are calling him up telling him that's not the will of God ain't nobody can do that Nobody can tell you God's will for your life. We can we can direct you by biblical principles to make sure you don't do something you should, or you should do something. But well, when it comes right down to it, see, this this December sixth on Tony's birthday, his 60th birthday, I'm gonna send him a big bag of granola. <laughs> my wife makes excellent granola. I made fun of it this week, because she heard me do that. She slapped me so hard my mom would feel it. But the truth is, I'm gonna send him a big bag of granola for his 60th birthday. And said a set of teeth to chew it with. But here's the deal. On, on, on December 6, uh, 1975, I married Patty Teal. That's not in here anywhere. You know, like, there's, look at me. There's nowhere in here that says Mike Johnson married Patty Teal. I was in the service of the Air Force because my IQ was too. high. anyway, I was in the Air Force, and I was overseas up in the Arctic Greenland. You want to talk about hot. Uh, I live in Redding where it was, today's 109 in ready. Yesterday was, Sunday was cooler. it was 108. That ain't cool, folks. But I was in Greenland for a year, up in the Arctic, 100 miles inside the Arctic Circle. We had days of 100 below zero. You step outside 15 seconds, flesh freezes. And I'm overseas. How many of you guys are, y'all been in the military? You know what mail from home is. Your junk mail's good. Anything, just mail your and I go in there one day, I pull out a letter, and there's a, there's a letter. from Patty Teal, Sacramento, California. I'd never heard of this girl. I said, what, what's that? So I opened up, and this picture, for like, oh, man, I don't have my wallet on there. shorty. This picture falls this blonde hair. What? Her high school graduation picture. Appropriate picture, by the way. And I looked down and I said, hmm. And she started writing to me while I was overseas. So for a year, we wrote letters before we ever some that face-to-face. She was in my brother's youth group, and he used a very biblical principle of: you got a bachelor brother have a good looking girl write to him, and she'll come to church. Come to church. <laughs> Look at me. That's not in here either, by the way. But, but the times of our ignorance God winked at. And, and so I came home from the service, went to see her. We dated for I don't know two weeks, and then I asked her to marry me. And we'll go on the whole story because it's a whole thing. And she put me off, and then we finally I got right with God. We got married. That's not in here anywhere. All right, all right. So how do you know then? But here's the key, and it's not really, it's not, it's not difficult. All I got to do is get yielded, stay yielded to God. Just so keep my heart right, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the Hey, get your heart right, keep your heart, yourself on the altar of God, yielded to God, and you shall prove. You'll come to know, prove for yourself to know what is the will of God. Now the key is you make sure. This is God's will before you get yourself set on anything. Right. We figure everything out. We figure out all the, you know, most people, not everybody. But but some people, you're like, if you're like me, you figure out every detail of things you want to figure out. How's this going to work? How's that going to work? Is this is how it been being? And, and you lay it all out there, and then you go, okay, let's see about this. Well, no. Before you do anything, you seek, is this the will of God? and you make sure it's God's will. You say, but what if you don't know? Then you don't do anything. Right. Then you stay on the path. Then you stay in church. Then you stay faithful. See, that's a part of that. being not conformed to this world. That's a part of that being yielded to God. Right. That's a part of that being in your in your reasonable service to the Lord. So you stay faithful to God. But, but I'm not sure what to do. Then you don't do anything. Right. You don't launch out and then go hope it'll figure it work out when you get there. That right. doesn't. That's how we get ourselves in trouble. That's how we get out of the will of God. That's how we get our priorities messed up. But seek ye first. Okay, I'm going to seek this God. God. So here's the deal. You're going to have to tarry on some things. You have to wait on some things. You have to go get some good biblical counsel and make sure is this a biblical principle. I like it when people come in and say, preacher, I'm not sure about this. What what do you think? I don't give them my opinion. If I do, I'll tell I'll give them my opinion. Don't drive a Ford. Unless you got heated tailgate so you can push it around the wintertime. Don't drive a Ford. Don't own a cat. Knife no, I never believed God made mistakes saw a cat. No, don't, 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 don't have, don't have no cats in your house. That kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, those are my opinions, okay? But Bible principle. Someone comes in and they want to do something dishonest Well, you. Obviously, you can't do that. But the point is this, listen to me. The point is you seek the will of God first. You seek it. You seek, I want to know it's this God's will first. Amen. And you tarry until you know it's the will of God. But you say, well, but how long do I have to wait? So you're already on the impatient side of things. But wait a minute. Don't you think God knows the best timing for things and the best way to do things and the best time for those? He has made everything beautiful in his time. But you've got to give him time for that. And we'll come back to that in a It's the will of God, and if you're not sure, then you don't do anything until you know this is the will of God. Biggest obstacle to God's will in most of our lives is us. We think we got to do it on our time and our frame. I got to do this the way I want. This is the way it's got to be. I can't wait on this thing. It's gonna happen. I gotta. I have to do. No, you don't have to do anything but God's will. Right. 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 Then number two, you seek His righteousness. He, okay, wait, wait, wait. is. Righteousness. Let me define righteousness for you. Look up in the great. Here's what I mean. Do the right thing. That's what that means. I'm going to do the right thing. His righteousness. Not my righteousness. Not the world's righteousness. Not politically correct righteousness. Not righteousness based on on on, on uh, uh circumstance or situation. I'm going to do the right thing on this thing. Hey, hey, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. And that's decided before you decide. Whatever this is, I'm going to do right on this thing. Yeah. I'm going to do what is right. I'm going to follow the biblical principle. I'm going to do what the Bible tells me to do. I'm not going to follow what's acceptable to me or to others. Oh, how many times have you ever had somebody say, well, that looks okay to me. Don't you think that's okay? That looks all right to me. Yeah. And Oh, so then we get somebody else's opinion on this thing, and we follow that. Like a no, no. One of our guys, he said, Pritchard, I'm filling out a loan application to buy a house. It's our first house. And, and he said it looks like we're going to get it. I said, oh, that's fantastic. He goes, now the loan officer said, I don't have enough income, so we're going to have to adjust the numbers. That's that's a Democrat for lie. I said, well, you know what they're asking you, right? He goes, yeah, but I go, whoa, 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 back up now. You know what they're asking you. Because you yeah, uh, uh, Look at me, tell me what I want you to do. Because he, he wants me to lie. Okay, now, my question to you is this, What do you want me to tell you? You want me to give you permission to lie? So then we can both go to hell when it's over? Is that how you want to do this? She doesn't believe in eternal security, not for liars. That's why nobody in Congress is going to heaven. But the truth is. I said, brother, you, you can't do that. He goes, but preacher, we won't get the house. I said, you, you lie to get that house every day. You're going to pull in the driveway and look at that house and know you lied to get it, and you're going to regret the day you ever did so. Don't do it. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Amen. He goes, well, I didn't see the point. out the application. I said, you got to get your head screwed on, partner. You've already got it in your mind that cheating to get this thing is objective. But I don't care if it's a good one. It's not right. You've got to do the right thing. So he did fill out. Good, huh? No, that's not good. No, that's, see, that's wrong. We're living on situational ethics when we think, well, I, I, I told the truth and it turned out good, so that's good. No, it's not good. Tell the truth. Yeah. Tell the truth. And if it doesn't work out, tell the truth. And if you get what you want, tell the truth. And if you don't get what you want, tell the truth. But whatever it is, for the sake of the Almighty God of heaven, do the right thing. Amen. Amen. Well, that's going to be, Pastor, that's going to be. I've got to limit a lot of things in my life, Then you must be doing a lot of wrong. Huh? You must be doing wrong. All this priority is is to be established before, listen now, before decisions are made. I'm going to know it's the will of God before the decision is made. And I'm going to decide before. You know what that's called? It's called integrity. Integrity. Living by predetermined principles. So that when you're faced with a situation, you already know what to do. I mean, it's sad. Why do people give up their morals so easily? Because they don't have proper integrity concerning morals. Somebody makes a pants at you, fella, and you know, you say, hey, excuse me, excuse me. And you say, well, that's a woman. Welcome to California. But the truth of the matter is, no, that should be determined. That's already said. No, no, I'm, no, no, no I'm, not I'm not following that. So, look here. Whatever it is, we're going to do the right thing on this thing. You understand? And we're not going to wait and do the right thing. We're going to do the right thing before we even do what this thing is whatever it is, we're going to do the right thing. So you go and you buy something, and they ring it up, and you get home. And then you, if you're like me, you're most guys, you don't really pay attention anyway. My wife's got me better at it. But most of the time, it's like, yeah, let me get me out of here. Let me say the difference between men and women. There's two big differences between men and women. One is, you're sitting there with another couple at a dinner, and the wife says, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Do you want to go? And she gets up and goes. Nobody thinks that's strange. But if the guy goes, do you want to go to the bathroom with me? Somebody's going to think that's wrong. (laughs) Are you with me? Okay, that's a big one. Well, there's three differences. The other one is men love the three students, women hate it. But the third one is (laughs) they do. I think they're funny. Is that the funny of a saw blade over a guy's head? I think it's hilarious. (laughs) But the third one is I already forgot. (laughs) So the point is, it's, it's fascinating to me on this, well, I don't know. I'm going to remember by halfway to the next point, and then I'm going to have to come back to it. That's what happens. The difference between men and women. Oh, yeah, the difference between men and women is, I got it. It came back quick. Thank you, Jesus. Women love to shop. Sometimes I will take my wife. We're we'll going on a date. I'll take her. I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll buy you a dress, honey. Now, usually I usually just say, "Please go buy it." I'll, I'll, I'll be home holding down that recliner. You, you go. And get it. We have a deal. My wife and I have a deal. If she finds a modest, decent dress, I don't care what it costs, buy it. That's a deal. That's a deal for her. But I'll take her sometimes. So I'll take you. Buy you a dress, honey. She knows I'm not excited about it, but I'm trying to be a good husband. We'll be standing there and the, uh, it's, it's weird because she's standing in the women's section she's gonna go try something on now uh, what are you gonna do with that here's what i do i go over to the rack put my arm on the rack and go pull out a dress and go. you got this in two eggs <laughs> well this make my hips look big <laughs> then they kick you out of the women's section it's perfect but i she can go in there and take that uh, i have to buy a blue t-shirt there's no way I'll, no, no, no. no. I, I'm walking in there and I go, yeah, that blue right there. But I can say, no, 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 no That blue, oh, it's my, I'm out of here. Give me that blue t shirt. And she keeps me long enough. I'll just say, I'll buy the whole store if you let me out of here. I will. just give the, Here's the credit card. Max it. Please let me go. i was sitting sit in the car. And that's what she'll say. Go sit in the car on here, I'll go, Thank you very much. And that's fantastic. It's like taking a kid shopping. It's terrible. You know, the, the truth is, we get we get ourselves in circumstances and situations, and then we wonder why we're there. But truth is, if we follow some principles of, this God's will before you go, before you decide, I'm going to do the right thing. I don't care what it turns out. You buy something, you go home, you look at the receipt, and they, they, they didn't charge you for something. Merry Christmas. Yeah. They, they have insurance that covers that. That's what most people say. Yeah. The fun part is to go back to the store. Yeah, right. Give them the receipt and say, you didn't charge me for this item. There is nothing on the computer that helps them with that. I'll stand there, go blee,
0: blee, blee,
1: blee, After a while, you go, "Could you get the guy in the brain with the back to come help me with this before I drop dead of old age?" I mean, come on, I want to pay for this thing. What are you going to do? Well, why didn't you just take it? Because it's not mine until I buy it. But, oh, come on, I'm not a democrat. Come on, help me out here. <laughs> You're going to do the right thing. Number three, look at this. And then he says, after you make sure this is the will of God, and you're going to do the right thing, then he says, and all these things shall be added unto you. But what does that mean? That means, oh, you're going to get wealthy. No, it doesn't. It means, look at me, if you make sure it's God's will, and you're determined to do the right thing, then give. here. He's talking to the disciples. He just told them, go two by two everywhere. Well, to us today, we're a mobile society. We back up, move, get on an airplane, go air drive a car, go over there. Those days you live and die within three or four miles of where you were born. To go to another city where you didn't have relatives or people, someone that you knew, well, you just didn't do that. So when Jesus told them to do that, these guys are standing there thinking, and they're not thinking, okay, how do I get a Cadillac? They're thinking, where are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? And it's, And not a bad thought. So when he tells them, look, you go and do what I tell you to do and make sure you're following God's will and doing the right thing. He says, all that stuff you're worried about, God's going to put that in there. But you'll add those things in his time, in his way. See, that third priority is give God time to honor his will and you're doing the right thing. You've got to give him time for this. We live in an instant society. Pop a turkey in a microwave 1, 30 seconds later, you pull it out, you eat it, you get E. coli. But the truth is, we, we just everybody's talking to their watch. Huh? They got their phone, they're connected to their phone everywhere they go, all over on the phone. Every time I go on a, I was on an airplane one day, and this guy was sitting across from me. And he didn't have his phone, he had his little ear thing in. And he was talking at to the top of his lungs. Yeah, when I get back to the warehouse, that's how they're talking when I get back to the warehouse, we'll go over that and we'll write the invoice on it. We'll get a squirt. What? What? You don't know what? I don't know. Can you hear me? Hey, hello, hello. Can you hear me? All right, All right wait a minute. Let me turn my hand. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. And he's talking that loud. And I was sitting there and I thought, hmm. Brother Tony's got a spiritual gift of, of criticism. My spiritual gift is sarcasm. I leaned over and I tapped him on the arm and said, "Pal, pal." He goes, "Just a minute, what?" He goes, "They can hear you. Wherever they are in America, they can hear you. So you could just hang up and keep talking because they can hear you." The guy goes, "Yeah, whatever," and he just kept going on. People on the plane (laughs) laughed. Thank you. Do you want to be a hood ornament? Seriously. They can't put that stupid telephone down. They can't get rid of that thing. Because everything is instantaneous now. You don't have to wait on much of nothing anymore. Except something good. Except something godly. Except something that you want God to give you. I'll be adding you all ch- before you start cha-chinging it. You know, ching well, that means I get that car. ching I get the house. cha I get that job. ching No, 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 no. It means this. If you do it because you know it's God's will, be it's God's will before you do it, and you're determined to do the right thing, you give him time, he'll add those things on you. Yeah. So we started the church from scratch. No land, no building, no people, no money. 39 years ago, this first uh, first Sunday in August. I went to, we went there and started the church. Bible college, those guys that get up and preach and say, you just go out and find a city and trust God, he'll take care of you. I didn't know they were lying. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to go out and raise support and all that. Wow. Mr. Stupid over here, that's me not really right here, Mrs. Stupid over here, I'm sitting there going home, okay? So I knew God wanted me to go to Red California and start a church. I didn't raise any support. God figured, God's going to take care of me. for two weeks outside of um, um, uh, door knocking and trying to get the church going. I tell the priest tonight, we started in August. You think it's hot and ready? Now, August it gets hotter. I pulled the 4th of July in a parking lot a couple of years ago. Pulled in the parking lot on a Wednesday night at quarter to 7. It was 122. I mean, seriously, you know, these cities that got all their little slogan. What's the slogan for Columbus? That down to Ohio State or something like that. I mean, Scott is a hazelnut with a cardigan sweater on I mean, Think about it. How can you get excited about that? Seriously? You, is there a slogan for Columbus? Y'all live don't you pay attention. Is there a slogan for the city, you know, gateway to the archway and all that kind of stuff? Redding's slogan is back door to hell. I mean, that's it's hot like that. You just open the door, it fries you just like that. It's hot. You don't start a church in August. Everybody's on vacation. It's 120 degrees outside. My shoe, I wore holes in the bottom of my shoe. I only had one pair of dress shoes. When I went to see Brother House for my senior appointment, I kept telling myself, keep your feet on the floor, keep your feet on the floor, keep your feet on the floor, because there holes in the bottom of my shoes. Well, that's what I left school with. I'm out there knocking doors in the heat, the pavement. so hot you can fry egg on the cotton piece. And I cut pieces of cardboard and slide them in my shoes to put them, tear my, keep my key, my feet from burning while I was knocking doors. Out in the heat, I'm sitting out there, it's 122 degrees at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's another dumb time to go soul winning. And I'm sitting there going, nobody, God didn't even know I'm out here for goodness sake. Can't see me through the heat waves and that kind of stuff. And we started our church, and it was in the middle of a recession. Uh, the, uh, the city of Red Anderson's about eight miles south of us. I started there. The city grew from 7,600 to 6,200 in about a year. People were leaving town like rats, leaving the ship. It was the worst time. Wrong time of year. Wrong economy. Everything's bad. No support. Not a dime. I ain't preaching. I'm telling the truth. Not a dime of promised support from nobody. And in six months, our church was self-supporting with 22 people. (laughs) We started with 49 and grew all the way to 22. I was invited to negative growth conferences all over America. How do you do, how do you empty a church out that fast? It was unbelievable. I put in my office when they prayed, dear God, I don't have enough gas to get across town and go so long. Could I get five bucks? Just, just somehow a letter comes in the mail, maybe with some money in it or something. Could, could I get five bucks, God? i and checked check the mail, lift up the box, no mail. Look in there, I'm like, oh, oh. pull a five-dollar bill That's the first thing I thought, well, I should have prayed for 50. God is is amazing. How we could be self-supporting in a church, losing people, in a bad economy, in a small town, in the the worst time of year. How that worked, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you how it worked. It was not the divine principle of my personality. Man, I got no personality, brother. Is that what you're trying to say? You cut me to the heart, brother. I feel bad about myself now. The truth is, I was so stinking mean. I was running people off on a church that weren't but they were just coming. I drive home from church. My wife would say, Honey, do you know what you did today? I said, Don't mess with me, woman. I was preaching the Bible. In the grain's hall building, I had to go in there every morning, It's five o'clock in the morning on Sunday, sweep and mop the place, clean it out, put up the chairs, set the nursery up in the kitchen area, with a little expand old gate for the doors in the kitchen, open the oven, warm it up, so we stack the babies in there when they came. We had no Sunday school classes. We have a, sweep, a piano play. We have a, we had a piano player from a home church for a, about a two weeks, and then we had no piano player. Nobody knows each other. Knows each other. So you walk in. Here's what you hear. I was not playing any background music. I was a compromiser. Uh, that was a compromise of all compromises. I'm telling you, 12 volumes of stupid stuff right there about that big. And I'm trying to lead singing. And you know, you know all the, you know all the hymns till you, know, you lead them without music. So we're singing "Amazing Grace," "The tune of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer." I mean, it, it was awful. Then we got a piano player. She's 85 years old. She had trifocals. So she didn't look to the right focal. She couldn't see the music. I'd go to her house on Saturday with her and her husband there. i practice two hours to get four songs ready for a Sunday morning. And if, she, if she'd lose her spot when she looked through her glasses, she'd play a polka style. Ah. People want to go to that kind of church. You're crazy. Seriously. But they did. Not in great numbers because I was an idiot and I was running them off. The illustration is this. Here for six months because she worked every every service in the nursery. Oh. I was too stupid to get a nursery worker to help her out in there. See, <laughs> preacher, so, you're pretty dumb, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I sure am. But see, I've always done this. I've always thought that it was the will of God for I did anything, and I determined to do the right thing. I don't care if it looks like it's gonna work out, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do the right thing. And if it costs me stuff, it costs me stuff. And if it costs me people, then it costs me people. And if it costs me acceptance, then it costs me acceptance. And if people don't like it, then people don't like it. But by the grace of God, do the right thing. Amen. And you know what happens? God adds these things unto you in his time. A few months ago had a dear couple in our church, the wife, about three years ago, she went to heaven. About two or three months ago, this dear man went to heaven. Now his last name happened to be Johnson also. We were not relatives. In fact, I always talk to him. I always call him cubs, You know, Cuz. hey, Cuz, how are you doing? So they both went to heaven. Did his funeral you know, a few months back. and the family came, and they said, Pastor, we want you to know that uh, our parents left you some money, left the church some money. And I said, well, that's, that's very kind, I appreciate it. And uh, she said, it's, uh, it's 1.5 million dollars. Said right before I go get drunk. Would you say that one more time? Because I'm gonna open me like five marijuana dispensaries and never preach the Bible again. Did, what did you say? I didn't say that, people. So just stay. I said I got the gift of sarcasm. I said, but, what what did you say? She said, Yeah, they left you 1.5.5 1.5 million dollars. She said, But don't worry, preacher, they took good care of us. And I thought, Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute, don't get excited because you know it'll happen. You know, cousin, cousin Larry, they'll come and sue the not out of you because they gave you the money. So I, I refused to get happy about it. I told one of our staff members, I said, so if you by midnight, when the check comes, in, by midnight, you see me running down the street. Yeah. That, that, that's me. <laughs> Within two three weeks, we had $1.5 million. So I got to wait 38 years to get a million dollars. I didn't say that. All I'm saying is this: you give God time. We put we we ran buses when we didn't have a building of our own. We were renting buildings and we had buses. We were running without a building of our own. So we're spending. We have spent over a million dollars on buses. Buying buses, building a bus barn, all that kind of stuff. We spent over a million bucks on buses. But we were, we were running buses and buying insurances and paying gas when it was really cheap. Uh, back in those days, when we didn't have a building of our own, you know what? Because we put a priority on people yeah. and lives and the work, the task that we were supposed to do. But all you had to do was just wait and let God kind of come in. See, uh, people listen to me. I'm not trying to preach the prosperity of the blessings of God. I'm trying to tell you, give God Time, you just gotta give him time. God, in His time, will bring about, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. So let's let's seek first. See? let's seek
0: first. These things. Let's stand our feet, please, this morning.